Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to climb on the potter's wheel and let the Spirit of God touch our lives, mold us and shape us. I don't want to become so rigid that I'm made again another vessel. I just want to be what God intended from the beginning. The book of Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 11, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And for the next few minutes, I want to talk tonight about the mission of Christ. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I mentioned, I think, in just a service or so ago that the Lord did not come to just perform a few miracles. It was not about Him just showing up and showing out, so to speak. But the Lord came with a specific mission. And uh, I'm thankful for that. But what I want to undergird this evening is the fact that what I'm going to be talking about for the most part, most everyone in this audience already believes and has experienced. And so I want tonight to convey not just the mission of Christ as a reminder to us, but I want to talk about the great commission that we have to fulfill We are now in Christ's stead on the same mission. Amen. The passage leaves us with little doubt, I think, as to the overall purpose of the coming of the Lord. We know that when you read the 18th chapter of Matthew, and and certainly I just pulled one verse out of a story, Matthew 18 and 11 follows the instructions of, of Jesus teaching about the treatment of children, but that was not just a principle or a promise that was made to children. In essence, the same quote is made again and uh, is recorded in Luke's gospel. Luke 19 and 10 essentially says the same thing, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, Luke adds the phrase to seek, to seek and to save that which was lost. And so I take tonight solace in the fact that God loved me enough to have a plan of redemption. Amen. I don't want to be saved so long that I forget I've been redeemed. Amen. I am, I am encouraged by uh, 
by the energy and the focus that you find in new converts or someone that's, uh, that's, that's new to, to, to God. I'm encouraged by that. And, and I know to some degree that we have to grow up and we have to establish our steps, but I don't ever want to lose my passion. I don't think that's part of the process. I think I can be as passionate today as I've ever been about the work of God and my walk with God. And so I want to take comfort in the fact that the Lord loved me enough to redeem me. And uh, we sing about it Sunday. He saw not what I was. He saw what I could be. And that's the testimony of everyone in this house. It's comforting to know that God's eye is upon me and and I take comfort in the fact that God is concerned about my life, not just about eternity, but I think God's interested in what happened to me today. Amen. I, I feel that in my heart. I ask the Lord every day to guide my steps in this day, order my steps in your word. I have no idea what's around the corner. I have no idea, good, bad, or ugly, what waits for me just over the next hill. And I think that I pray that with great confidence because I think God cares about what's in my path. I think that God wants me to make it. There is an undeniable paradox, I think, that we find in human nature. You often see perhaps a man walking around as if he is the king of the world. But I promise you, no matter how diligently he struts, no matter how far his chest is poked out, if you get to know that man, you'll find that beneath those layers of self-confidence, there's a great sense of loneliness and lostness. Amen. There's an insecurity in all of us. I can appreciate the fact that you're not up running around the building right now, but there is an insecurity in all of us. So no matter how strong we may appear on the outside, and I'm not su suggesting that we're all being hypocritical, that's not what I'm talking about, I I'm just talking about that beneath our strengths and beneath our abilities and beneath all of our talent that we may that may, God may have blessed us with in various areas, there is a loneliness, there's a lostness to man. The single thought that plagues many people in this world is whether or not somebody genuinely cares about them. That is a central thought in the minds of many, many people. Do people really care about me? I want you to just think about that for a moment, let it soak in. That is in the center of everyone's mind are the people that surround me. I'm not talking about fair-weather friends that surround us when all is well. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to that nucleus of people that would stand by us through thick and thin. Amen. No matter what, no matter what, I'm not, I'm not talking about excusing wrong, but I'm just talking about those people that love us for us unconditionally, good, bad, or ugly. I, that, that many people have that nagging feeling that, that somebody may have a desire to have a friendship with them only based upon what they can get out of it. Am I speaking to anybody? They just use you as a pawn on the chessboard of life so that they can get to the next step in life. And so... You wonder sometimes, are those that are around you, uh, are they really there because they care? I think that is an unavoidable feeling that we experience from time to time. I'm not suggesting we think that every day or that walk, we walk around in some sense of paranoia, but, but we do wonder. We do think about that from time to time. Deep within everybody, we just want to be loved at face value. I want to know that somebody is there for the long haul, 
that we are just connected for this for the right reasons. One author wrote the following statement. He said, echoing throughout the inner chambers of many hearts are the words, I matter to no one and no one cares about me. Deep within the layers of man. And if we're not careful, we can easily misunderstand our text tonight, Matthew 11 and 28, even though it's often quoted, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I think we have to understand that Jesus was not just fishing for or speaking to tired people. He wasn't just trying to draw people that were weary to him, although I believe that tired and weary people are certainly welcome. He was not just inviting those that were economically oppressed even though I think that they would be welcome as well. But Jesus, I believe, was speaking to the inner man, to those that would be uh, emotionally fatigued, those that would be drained. I want you to know that you can come to me and find rest. Do you know that sometimes people that are going through severe trials or tribulations in their own life sometimes do not come to church or do not pray because they're ashamed that God will not accept them? Amen. Please understand I know a little bit about what I'm speaking of here. That people think, well, I just can't ask again. I just can't ask for prayer again. Or I can't just go, i got to get all of this fixed and then I'll be back in a position where God will accept me. But he said, I want you to come in your fatigued state. I want you to come. So that means that I can come. He was reaching for, that means that I can come no matter how I feel, no matter how distant or disconnected I may feel from God. You know, I've mentioned this a lot, and I know there are many times that heads nod when I say this, but it is nevertheless true that sometimes in prayer you just feel connected. I mean, right time you kneel down, you just feel like it's it was just kind of there waiting on you. And there are other times I just kind of basically feel like I talk to the back of the chair. Amen? It's all right to say amen to that. We, just, we were just kind of there. We were just kind of there and we're not really sure. But I'm thankful that in my heart of heart, no matter what I feel like on the outside, I'm thankful that God will hear my cry and hear my prayer. Even though there were days that I feel like the words were insufficient, that my praise or my adoration may have been inadequate as far as human terms are, are, are concerned. But I'm thankful that God understands. And he said, you can come. I want you to come to me just as you are. There are people that, that have told me many, many times, as soon as I get my life together, I want to start serving the Lord. I want to get it all together and then I'm going to come. And that would be like that would be like saying, as soon as I can get the bleeding to stop, I'm going to go to the emergency room. As soon as I can, as soon as I can get this wound a little bit on the way to getting mended, then I'm going to go and see a doctor. We need God just as we are. And I'm thankful that he can accept us as we are. Not that we would stay in that condition, but he was reaching for those that felt lost in this vast world that we live in. Amen. He was teaching them something very, very important, and that is that you matter. You matter. I'm glad that I matter to the Lord. I'm glad that I matter to him. I mentioned that the strange enigma that sort of tears away at the heart of men. On one hand, you have someone so filled with ego and self-worth, yet on the other hand, deep within that sight, same individual is a frightened, uh, a broken person that often wonders if there is really anyone that loves them for who they are. I realize that I'm probably digging a little bit deeper into your heart on this Wednesday night than you came to church prepared for, but let's, let's take the ride together, shall we? I believe that I have come to this pulpit this evening with a message from the Lord for tonight. 
I believe that God is trying to confirm that he loves someone in this house this evening. According to the scripture, we have been created in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. In Genesis, mankind was off to a tremendous start and then sin enters the picture. Not long, sin enters the picture. And then one single thing you can always understand about sin is the fact that sin separates. Sin separates man from God. So we can't just sin. We don't always have an Ananias and Sapphira moment. But you can't sin and get by. Because sin separates. Sin drives a wedge between us and God. And so that's where this sense of lostness comes into play. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, there was a separation. They were cast from the garden. As a consequence of man's fall, the devil then takes advantage of our human weaknesses and often tries to convince us that we really don't matter to God. Again, I'm a little deeper in your heart than you were prepared for, but I'm going to tell you tonight that many times we have fought what I'm speaking of. If We have had thoughts like this. If God really loved me the way his word says, if God really loved me the way the preacher talks about him loving me or as the song, then why am I facing this mountain? Why is this mountain in my path? Why am I going through what I'm going through if God's word is really true? We've all been there. I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm telling you that we have all, we have all wanted to look upward and say, I don't understand. I don't get this. We've had those Asaph moments where we looked across the fence and it just seemed like those that didn't care about anything about God. We're just doing way better than those that are trying their best in every way to be diligent in their relationship with God. It's okay that we under, it's okay that we are in this house acknowledging this tonight because most of us have been right there. Most of us have been right there. And if we haven't, just hang on. You will more than likely face those moments in your life. The tragedy is that sometimes we believe this. We believe this. I just want to make it very plain tonight that God really does love us. God loves me. He loves you. I, I don't ever want to lose I don't ever want to lose the truth of that. We're living in an era where where it seems like eerily enough that we are losing our identity. Or perhaps we are seemingly losing our individual distinctiveness. We live in a culture where it just seems like humanity, mankind is just lumped into one big pile. We're no longer individuals. We're just a mass of people that are walking around on the planet. At some point in our lives, you may have experienced this. I did today. Uh, I may have felt like we were just a little bit more. We were just a little more than just a number. In order to do any sort of business transactions, you're reduced to the last four digits of your social security number before you can even get started. Right. And they ask you your name, and uh, you know, Steve Boyd. Well, how are you today, Mr. Bird? <laughs> well, it's good. To, how are you today, Mr. Lloyd? I mean, you're just lost in this mass of people. You are nothing more than just a few digits on the screen. I didn't come here to paint your world gray. We're going somewhere. But we're reduced to just a few digits on a screen, and we're we're reduced down to where that there's everything seems to be impersonal. That's just the nature of the world that we live in. So it's little doubt that people that don't have a relationship with God certainly can get lost or at least feel like they are lost in the mix of this mass of humanity. And that is exactly where we are today. 
I think we cannot afford to we can we cannot afford to allow ourselves to fall into that trap. God made us very very unique. He made me for who I am. Scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Sunday school, we we're taught the little song. It's a a very simple song, but it has a tremendously powerful message. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. Now before you just write that off as just some children's song, we need to realize the truth that is bound up in that message as well, that we are all precious in the sight of God. We matter to God. And so no matter how trivial an issue may be to a child, when they go to their parent, their parents, uh, a parent or a true parent would not just blow everything off or minimize everything that a child brings to them, but we would realize that it means something to them. It may be trivial up against what you as an adult or as a parent are facing in the real world, but it is real to them. And so Satan works overtime to ensure that we forget this simplistic yet powerful message bound up that God created us all, we are unique to him, and we are precious to him, we mean something to him. It matters when I kneel and pray and say, Lord, I need you today. I have his undivided attention. I don't have to jump through this hoop and that hoop. I don't have to do all sorts of things to try to please him or to garner his attention. My need was enough. We can not only come to the Lord with our praise and worship, but he also said we could bring to him our supplications. Our needs are welcomed at the foot of the cross. I don't just have to come there as long as I'm praising him, as long as I'm worshiping him. I don't have to hang around as long as I'm telling him how great he is. There are times that I can say, and by the way, I've got a need. I have a real need here in my life. As you read through the gospels and follow the life and the ministry of Jesus, here's what you'll find that Jesus always called individuals to follow him. I'm thankful that I'm part of the church. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm glad that I'm a part of this church. I'm glad I'm a part of this local body. I am, I'm grateful that this local body is attached to something that's larger than just this one local church. I'm, I'm glad that when I go to camp meeting or men's conference or go to various places, I'm glad that I realize that I'm not in this alone. And when we take that to a larger scale of a general conference or youth congress or whatever it may be, I'm glad that I look around and realize that, that I'm connected to all this mass of people. But in all of that, I want to never lose sight of the fact that the Lord didn't just call us as a group. He didn't just call us as a church. He didn't just call us as a district. He didn't just call us as an organization. He didn't just call us as a body of believers, but he called us as individuals. The masses followed him. Certainly there were masses that followed him more than likely than not. It was when he was feeding the 5,000 or the 4,000 or doing this miracle or that miracle. But when Jesus called, he called individuals to come and follow him because individuals matter. Amen. Not as a collective mass, but as individuals, we were created in his image. The woman that was taken into adult, that was called in adultery was so precious to the Lord that he went against the law of Moses. We know that the law had ended and the dispensation of grace had begun. But to those who were dragging her there, were dragging her there under the umbrella of the law. But the Lord loved her so much, not what she was doing. 
not what she was up to, not what she had been doing that day or the day before, or not even what her plans were for the next day. But he loved her so much that he went against the law of Moses. Amen. She was just as valuable to him, however, as was Cornelius, who the Bible says went about doing good, had sent up so many alms that it garnered the attention of the Lord, who was a righteous man, an upright man, a, a man that was worthy of the Lord's attention. But Cornelius meant no more to the Lord than the woman that was, caught, that, that was taken in adultery. And the list could go on and on and on of comparisons. Jesus Christ loved individuals. During his earthly ministry, he dealt with individuals. Satan's lies, I believe, try to undercut all of that and convince thousands that the Lord does not care about them. The feeling that we don't matter to anybody is just confirmed by sheer observation as we look around. Amen. All you have to do is look around and find that nature appears to be very little concerned about us as an individual. Nature has so planted that within the heart of every human being that, that there is such an urge for us to leave our mark. We just want to make sure we leave something behind. But in truth, we're going to take nothing with us when we go. I'm not trying to sound morbid at all, but we desire something to outlive us. But when it's all said and done, we're just going to return to the dust from which we came. That's what the scripture says. And that is true for common men and kings. It doesn't matter if we are educated or illiterate. We're all going to, as the scripture talks about, go to sleep with our fathers. We're all going to the same place, that same demise in that regard. Amen. Again, but nature seems to confirm the idea that, that we don't matter in this huge universe, that we're just a dot on the map, or at least that's what Satan would like for us to believe. But I'm here tonight to just stand against that observation. Amen. I believe that I'm, I'm thankful for a God that I serve that loves me and he knows my name. He knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my sentences before I complete them. Amen. I'm thankful that he knows my address. <laughs> I'm thankful that he knows exactly what I feel in my heart and my mind right now. I'm not just talking about me. I'm, I'm talking about me, but apply it to you. Amen. I'm thankful for a message that is so powerful and endearing that it's more powerful than anything that the enemy could ever say. I'm thankful that the word of God teaches me that I matter to him. In passages like Luke 9 and 56, for the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but he's come to save them. God is not on some power trip trying to kill everybody that he can trying to wipe out everyone that he can, trying to demoralize everyone that he can, but God is trying to save everyone he can, and that absolutely challenges the lie of Satan. Throughout my tenure as a pastor, I have been exposed to men and women alike who are at a point and place of helplessness in their lives. Whether in the backdrop of this, of course, changes from situation to situation whether it's in the confines of a jail cell or a nursing home or, or in a hospice house or in a hospital room or whatever the circumstances, the backdrop may be different, but the feeling is the same, an overwhelming measure of hopelessness that is alive in the hearts of many people. I found myself humbled to tears, and I say that literally, to be able to minister to people in these situations. And I've watched people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there from that platform. Amen, I've watched people in jail receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Watch people in situations in their home receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen, to know that God 
would stand with them and manifest himself strong in those situations when people felt like they didn't matter at all to the Lord. I've watched God touch them in such a way till tears came to their eyes for the first time in many, many, many years, if not decades. Amen. I'm thankful that God was on a mission to touch the hearts and the lives of men. And if we have that message in our heart, then we cannot afford to be silent about that. Amen. It's a reminder that God loves us individually. The Lord doesn't think any more about you than he thinks of me or that he thinks of anybody else. Amen. Even those whose lives maybe have run aground. I know that statement kind of bruises somewhat the ego of those who feel like they have no flaws, but it makes it no less true. The world is filled with people who have lost their sense of individuality, caught up in the statistics of our day. If you would catch them in a moment of transparent honesty, I feel confident that many would say they feel like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Untold masses fit into the framework of what I'm speaking about this evening. They live out their lives with an overwhelming sense of sadness that seems to just stalk their every step. Amen. Many feel like they have nothing more, nothing more to go on for. And so that's why even among our youth, suicide rates are climbing at an unprecedented rate. But that is not the end of the story. It doesn't have to end there. One of the most powerful messages that we could ever preach to this fallen world is really bound up in a scripture that is so often quoted and yet so often maybe forgotten. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm so thankful that to know that there was a mission of the Lord. Several years ago, <clears throat> brother and sister Magruder wrote, a, wrote and recorded a song that I feel like is fitting. The title of the song is We Have a Savior. Brother Magruder uh, told my wife and I that this song was the end result of an actual experience that they had after they had ended a concert one night in a very large city in America. I want to just read you the lyrics of the second verse in the chorus of a song that God gave Brother Magruder after he had, had an experience in this city. This, the verse says, I walk down sidewalks of bright neon cities where, land, where skyscrapers reach for the sky. I've seen the rich and the famous in their glamour and glitter as they searched for some joy in the night. While a few blocks from Main Street in an old cardboard ghetto, another unknown, unknown life is lost. So whether penthouse or skid row, there's one thing I still know, there's hope in the old rugged cross. The chorus says, we have a Savior. What a wonderful Savior. Mercy's atonement stifled sin's judgment Grace made intercession, I'm free. The pain and the heartache, that old suffering I can't take, purchased redemption for me. The true Lamb of Calvary is the hope of salvation. He died on an old rugged tree. Christ came to this world with a mission and that mission is bound in the words tonight that we're talking about. God has a mission I don't want to have the answer. I don't want to have the answer and have my hand over my mouth. I don't want to have the answer and be so, my mother used to say mealy mouth. I'm not even sure what that means. But anyway, I don't want to be so mealy mouthed about it that I don't speak up when somebody has an issue that says I don't know what the hope is. I want to be able to raise my hand without arrogance and say I know where you can find that hope. I know where that hope can be found. We have a Savior, a wonderful Savior. 
He died because he was concerned about my soul. He died because he didn't want to leave me as I was. He knows my name and yours and where we abide. He cares. And so we may feel like that we're nothing of consequence, but we're a treasure in the eyes of God. I would like to reiterate to this church tonight that we have a message of hope. That message of hope is that Jesus Christ died for our sins that we might be redeemed. The scripture says, for God so loves the world. The the word world can be pretty daunting when you think about it. When When we speak of the world, we're not... When God so loved the world, we understand that we're not referring to trees and cows and and horses and things of that nature. We're talking about the human race. Amen. The human race. But there's something that we cannot forget when we start talking in big terms like that. The term seems all-encompassing, but it's not because the human race is composed of individuals. And so if you take away the individuals, then you've taken away the human race. And so I often I talk about the church, but then I say, but the church, we must never forget, that's us. That's you and I. We make up the church. The church is not some foreign entity, but the church is men and women that are sitting here tonight, some represented here in this house, and others beyond those that are represented here. The church. And so if you take away the individuals, then there would be no church. If you take away the individuals, there would be no human race. So I'm saying tonight that that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but we could also say that God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And so all around the world, we need to express this powerful truth because it can set men free. It's a message that's true for one and all. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come if they will. The song says this, Whether penthouse or skid row, there's one thing I still know, and that is this. There's hope in the old rugged cross. I'm grateful for the message of Acts 2.38. I don't want that to ever just appear to be a hobby horse or a soapbox because it's anything but. I'm thankful for the power of repentance because repentance sets something loose in our lives and aligns us to something so powerful, so telling, repentance. The Bible talks about repentance being so powerful that the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul that repented. And so we can never afford to minimize or to downplay the importance of repentance, to die out, to let our flesh die out. I'm thankful for the washing that we find in a pool of baptism in his name for remission of sin. I'm thankful for that. And I don't ever want to forget that it's my job to point people not only to an altar of repentance but to a pool of baptism. And I'm thankful for the infilling of the Holy Ghost because it's not just something that we experience right then and there and then it's all over. But that's the very beginning. That's the birthing place. That is is the maternity room. It is for one and for all that can change the heart of anybody that will embrace this truth. You can't buy into the lie that the message is just for some and it's not for everybody. And that hope is only for a few, it's not for everybody. No, that's not true at all. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is for whosoever will. Amen. Sometimes people can sit even in church and feel so far removed from even what's going on. I would confess tonight that I've been right there. I've been there physically. (laughs) 
I had shown, I had, I had, I had arrived at the address, but I was so far removed from what was really going on. Amen. So we can sit and feel so far removed, but I promise you tonight that we have to drive that away with prayer and say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to reach with everything that I have. I've often said that if I'm in the house of God and I look around and somebody else even appears that they're feeling something I'm not feeling, I want to I take a, I want to check myself. I don't want to just assume they're off on a tangent. I want to check myself because I don't want God to walk by and me not be aware of his presence. Amen. Some may even think that they don't have the faith that God can do something positive for them in their life. But I point you to Romans 10 and 17. Paul said, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we make ourselves available to the word of God, God begins to increase our faith and we can begin to look at things through a different lens and we'll begin to see the hope that we have in him. Our hope is not in us. Our hope is not in And I hope you're not tired of hearing this, but Jude pointed out that if you put your hope in angels, a third of them walked away. If you put your hope in institutions, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't always what we think about it in its end. It didn't start out that way, but that's how it wound up. If you put your faith only in people, Korah, who what we remember most about Korah was that the earth swallowed him up because of his rebellion against Moses, but that's not how it started. Korah was given the responsibility as a Levite to transport precious articles. That's not how it started, but the Lord said you put your faith in man and man can let you down. You put your faith in institutions and institutions can let you down. And you put your faith in angels and angels can let you down. But to him who is able to keep us, that's where I want to make my investment. That's where I want to wrap my arms around the foot of the cross and I'm going to say, here's where I'm establishing my life. I'm going to hold on. What about this one that failed? And what about that that failed? And what about this one that walked away? What about this one that no longer stands or believes this? I, I, I don't know about that. I'm going to wrap my arms around the cross. I'm going to tie myself to something that I know will never move and something that will never change. That's where I'm going to put my faith. Amen. The mission... Tonight, as we stand, the mission is clear. The world is full of hurting people. Amen. The task is daunting, but we have a message that can change a heart. It changed yours, didn't it? (laughs) If God changed me, then he can change anybody. If God turned me around, then he can turn anybody around and I'm thankful for that would you make an altar where you stand and let's worship the Lord as we close this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 
or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.